Hello, everybody. This is Dave Suter from the Tribune Democrat. We're doing a podcast with Shelley Johansson and Ron Connor Raleigh from Nelson Area Heritage Association, Jaha, the organization that puts on the Marisur Flood City Music Festival every year. It's coming up this weekend, Friday and Saturday. And we're just here to talk a little about the history of the event, what people can expect when coming to it this year, and just kind of generally talking about it. So, uh, welcome. Great. Glad to be here. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Um, you know, first of all, this event has been in Johnstown for years, but it's not an easy timeline where people can say this started here and no. like, okay, yes, right off <laughs> no, the bat. That, that is, I mean, always uh, journalists and, and my friends in the media are asking these quantifiable questions like, you know, how long has it existed? That kind of thing. And it's like, oh, gosh, it depends on how you count it. The event goes back to the 100th anniversary of the Johnstown flood of 1889. And we, uh, we the organization, Jaha, I was not here at that time, uh, had um, a big uh, community-wide celebration, commemoration, whatever you want to call it, of that event. And based on that success, the National Folk Festival came to town. And their deal is they come to town for three years um, and hope that it... um, uh, sort of spawns a music festival in its wake, and in Johnstown it worked like a charm. And Ron was around during those years, so he can tell a little bit about the National Folk Festival and uh, and our transition. Yeah, it was uh, it was a real honor for Johnstown to be the host city for the National Folk Festival. And, you know, those folks did a great job of bringing terrific folk music to Johnstown, building sort of an audience for that sort of thing. Um, that was Johnstown's introduction to Cajun and Zydeco music, and Johnstowners ended up becoming enthralled with that style of music over the years, um, and that was really where it got its start. I was asked to participate as a Jaha board member in the last year of the National Folk Festival, and then when it moved on to Chattanooga, Tennessee, the board asked me whether I would be willing to chair a successor event that we called the Johnstown Folk Fest. And that started in 1993. At first, we tried to sort of stick by the formula that the National Folk Festival used, but they had sort of a narrow kind of dogmatic definition of what kind of music qualified for their events. You know, they were curated through the Smithsonian Institute, and the word folk music had a particular definition, and certain groups qualified to play in their festival and others didn't. We took a little broader view of things, and we started to diversify the lineup a little bit beyond just folk music. And and can I break in here and just, just, just to mention that to the National Folk Festival, I mean, folk is a term that to some people means, you know, women with dulcimers. Um, to some people, it means acoustic. Uh, to the National Folk Festival, it means people playing the music of the tradition that they grew up in, that somehow um, it was part of their history and heritage. And so that doesn't mean acoustic, and it doesn't mean women with dulcimers. Like Tab Benoit is a, an example of a festival artist uh, who first came to us during that period and has continued to play in Johnstown. But I don't think anybody would call that music folk necessarily. So in, in some ways, that the word is really problematic because it's a little bit misleading. Yeah, for sure. And that's sort of what prompted us to change the name of the festival from Johnstown Folk Fest to the Amerisurf Flood City Music Festival, because we thought that that the word folk, I think, sort of created pictures in people's minds about what the festival was like, and they weren't necessarily accurate ones. The other thing about the name change, of course, uh, Ron, is that, I mean, we wanted people 
We are the Johnstown Area Heritage Association. We do an awful lot with the area's history. There are some people who come to Johnstown for this event who are solely into music. But we want them to come and go, gee, Flood City, what's that? That's interesting. I want to know more about this um, and explore all, everything else that we have to offer. And of course, now that we have this special events facility right, you know, right near the heart of downtown, really, it's pretty special. Uh, you, you're right there in and among all that history. You are pretty much at, you know, what could be described as ground zero for the 1889 Johnstown flood there, you know, within sight of the stone bridge. And you've got the mountain on one side and the steel, old steel history on the other side. And you, know, you can see the incline. And it is, um, I think, something really special. Uh, I, I don't... I I mean, not a lot of festivals are held out in the middle of a field or something, and that's great. But ours has, I think, a very, very special sense of place. What's it mean for you able to bring these different kind of acts to Johnstown where there is such a diversity where, for me personally, there are acts that I might have known of somebody but never really seen them or listened a little bit, and this was like my first real exposure to them. Or there's other acts where it was completely new. I'd never heard of them, and... All of a sudden, I'm seeing them here, you know, like some acts come to mind. Andrews Osborne for me, Green Sky, Tab Benoit, um, oh, Shelly's the guy. Um, a real dynamic show, jumping up on his keyboard. Um, Andy Frasco, maybe? Yeah, Andy Frasco. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yes. He's a keyboard jumper if Third there ever time. was one. Yes, that particular show, Dave, I will share with you <laughs> that I was standing to the side, um, alternately thrilled that the audience was having that time, that, such a good time and horrified that somebody might need an EMT. I mean, it was really kind of <laughs> yeah. off the charts. For me, that, like I had never seen him. I don't think I ever heard of him. And all of a sudden, that was a very enjoyable show, high energy, just something really nice to see something like different like that. Yeah. I, I have always... Uh, believed that that was an important mission of the festival was to introduce people to new music that they hadn't seen before. And um, I think over the years, we've established some credibility with the regional music lovers to know that whether they've heard of the bands or haven't, they're likely going to see a good show. And sort of, you know, our touchstone for the bands we book. Now, we want bands that we know do great live shows. And right. so that's what we that's what we aim for. And so recommendations come to me from a certain group of people that I know go out and see and hear a lot of music. A lot and, of music. Yeah. And those recommendations, when they tell me that they saw a great band that did a great live show, then that puts them on our radar. People come, maybe attracted to one band, or maybe they just know, okay, you know, I, I always enjoy it when I go to the music festival, or just generally, I like live music. And they come in without an expectation about a particular act, and then they are blown away. Um, they find, they, they, they see a particular act and suddenly they have a new favorite. And this is, um, I think, one of the reasons why the regional and local music acts really enjoy playing our event, because it is an opportunity to be exposed to a whole new audience, uh, people that maybe had never seen them before, um, people that maybe didn't even particularly care for that genre. I mean, it, it, it happens every year. People come running up to me and want to tell me about, oh my God, I saw this act and they were unbelievable off the charts. I had no idea. We try to pick the acts that are like on the way up, uh, the acts that are going to explode, the acts that we won't be able to afford next year, you know, uh, and, and this year, by the way, it's Karina Reichman. Without a question, her, her career has gone stratosphere since we made that booking. It is one of those bookings that's going to make us look uh, like we really know what we're doing. <laughs> I think Big Something's another group that 
is really breaking out now. You know, when these big festivals that have 100 bands, you know, they make these festival posters and they put their headliners in big letters at the top and then they sort of work down the list and the size of the type gets smaller as you go down the list. <laughs> exactly. Um, big somethings type size has been increasing yes. <laughs> from year to year on those big posters and they're playing a lot of great festivals and uh, in prominent roles. I think they're going to be a really cool band for us and somebody that, you know, might break out, turn out to be the kind of headliner, big festival headliner that we can't afford anymore. Um, another one that I would point my finger to as being an act that really has it going on right now. Um, I think Buffalo Rose um, well, actually, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be a little bit more definitive, Dave. I know Buffalo Rose is the next band from Pittsburgh to make it. The Common Heart is the most recent band from, from Pittsburgh that I think has made it. And they are following that same trajectory, not the same kind of music at all. But we've had them here at the festival before and people just went nuts. They have got a sound that is very popular, very appealing right now. Uh, you know, close uh, harmonies, um, all acoustic, so much youthful energy on stage. And um, we have been watching them get better and better bookings and watching them release albums with the likes of Tom Paxton and, and doing doing stuff that is just um, unbelievable. I think, uh, I think their star is really on the rise. And I think that um, us having them open the festival on Saturday, um, it was a really good move because it's going to make people know I got to be there for the first show. How do you go about looking for the headliners? You know, this year, Spin Doctors and Railroad Earth. And, you know, when I look back, we all have our favorites and everything. You know, for me, like Greg Allman, Derek Trucks, Grace Potter, Dr. John, Blues Travelers. Those are some of my favorites that I've seen here. Yeah, how do you go about trying to get like those two top acts? Yeah, I mean, so there's so much that goes into it. I, I think programming a festival like this is almost like recruiting a football team in college. You know, you have your big board. You have your, like, these are the guys we really like to have. But you sort of work down the list until you get the guy that's interested in coming to your school or to your festival. Um, uh, and... Um, you know, we work on developing the list. We have relationships with booking agents all over the country. They bring recommendations to us. And ultimately, what what we're trying to do is find a right fit where a band meets our requirements in terms of what we're trying to do with the festival, and we fit into their schedule. You know, right. travel, logistics, all that stuff factors into it. So you end up, you, you know, you might start out with a list of 500 bands that you think would be great for your festival, but you, you, you narrow that down because some of them aren't available, some of them aren't affordable, right. some of them that travel doesn't work, you know, that kind of thing. So that's sort of how we uh, go through the process. There's a little bit of a chess game about it. You know, you make an offer. It's like buying a house or something. You make an offer. They make a counter offer. Figure out how you can make it work. And some bands like Railroad Earth, I think I could say that that's been a, they've been on our list for years and years. Sure. You know, um, and sometimes it just works out. Like Bruce Hornsby was another one. Boy, we'd wanted him for you know I don't know how long. Um, other times, I mean, like the Greg Allman booking that you mentioned, that was a situation in which Allman had a date booked that fell apart. A festival went under or was canceled or something. And so it was there and we knew it and we were able to present Greg Allman. Uh, whereas if we had like gone out and tried to get him to come to the area, been the festival, that, that probably wouldn't have worked out. Trying to pay a band just to come to Johnstown 
to do a festival is a lot more expensive than paying a band to stop in Johnstown on their way from New York City to Memphis or something like that. And so those routed opportunities are, are really where you can get um, uh, a lot of bang for your buck. Because that, of course, is the other thing, right, is to maximize the budget. To, yeah, to get the sure. best best amount of music um, for the for amount of budget you've got, and so basically the headliners are first, and then you start looking at your regionals and stuff. And sometimes they're interested on and who else is on the bill because if you are a you know if you are a if you're a touring act or a regional, then it might be to your advantage to be on a bill with so and so, right? Uh, there's there's a lot of different things um, that go into it as you're trying to get. I think you know I personally think that Karina Reichman that booking she had had a good experience with us when she was here with Marco Benevento, so that kind of helps too. You know the reputation of the event um, does does the artist know you? Uh, there are some artists that we've built um you know kind of relationships with uh, through the years and that doesn't hurt <laughs> you know when you're trying to get these things to come through you, you touched on this a little bit there and i was going to ask what does it mean to have that reputation where people do are coming back billy price andrews uh tab all these guys that, and others that i'm sure i'm missing mm-hmm. but they'll come back again over and over that's certainly you don't do that unless you've had a good experience somewhere well i think it really says a lot um, about the people that work to put on the festival. And by those people, I mean the volunteers that come back every year, the audiences that come back every year, the, the sponsors that come back every year. They really make a world of difference. I mean, I can't tell you how many times it's happened. Um, touring is a hard lifestyle, okay? It is really rough. You're in the car all day. You know, it's just, you know, maybe things didn't go well the last day. It's just a difficult lifestyle. These touring acts will get on site and sometimes they're really kind of tense. It's been a long day and then they get on site and everyone is smiling at them and they have some of the best backstage catering um, in the business and and they relax and they look around, they see how hard everybody is trying um, and the audience is really great and they, they really like their shuttle driver and they, you know there's all these pieces that come together for them and, and they really kind of relax into it and I'm really proud of that. You know, I, I feel like I'm part of it but the the larger part is like all there. There's so many people that do so much, from donating um, products and services to Ameriserve, who has been our title sponsor for I think it's like 27 years. That is remarkable, uh, and, and it really is I think a testament to uh, to uh, how many people. I mean, and to how many and how much it takes to do something of this scale because it, it really is a, a significant endeavor. Yeah, and I think there's. A certain consistency you have to have to make those things happen. You have to you have to demonstrate that you can do a quality event year after year after year after year. And I think we've um, done pretty well in that regard. And it's it's always great when an artist sort of embraces the city. And that's yes. something, for example, like Anders Osborne clearly embraced Johnstown, loves to play here. Wears the Delweld baseball shirt on stage, definitely has a connection with the community. And so, you know, you can count Anders in that regard. Tab's another good example of that. Um, Eric Tesmer, blues player from Austin, Texas, has been here a few times for us. In fact, came here one time all the way from Austin just to play our show. One um, show. One he, show. Was, he was playing a one-off. I mean, I, I had booked him for a concert and I, mean, I was trying to, went out and ra- raised some money. And um, and 
his tour manager did not tell me that their routing had fallen apart. And so I called Eric to say, guess what? I got the money. And he was like, oh. And I was like, what, what's weird about this conversation? But later I found out when he was on site for the show, I found out he had driven himself and his entire crew up from Austin just because it was us. Um, and that kind of thing, or people like Jimmy Adler, Jimmy comes to see the show, whether he playing or not, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's really great. And Billy Price, man, he says wonderful things to the press every time he plays. These relationships with the, these artists is, is really pretty neat. Your music fans first, you know, for, for you who've been some of the shows that really stand out as your favorites and also who have been some really good people to deal with in terms of being here in Johnstown they're great with the fans they're great with us no no headaches everything going good like I guess those are two separate questions yeah, well, it, it almost it, in my mind the two questions lead to a pretty obvious answer and that's Dr. John who was tremendous did a tremendous show and was one of the most gracious people in the world backstage just a real treat to be around. Can I can um, I can I remember t- something that he said that I will never forget? He he looked at all of us who we were all standing around, kind of you know starstruck, and he went, "John's town." He said, "I'm from New Orleans, and we have floods, but I don't have to tell you about that." <laughs> <laughs> that was a true, and no. I was just like, "This is unforgettable." <laughs> um, some artists that I would mention in that regard: uh, Los Lobos. Um, they, Billy Price played this show right before them and they thought Billy was great. And so they said to Billy, Hey, why don't you, they, they named some standard. I don't remember what it was. Do you remember what it was? Nope. Um, he named some standard and said, Billy, do you know that? And Billy was like, I do. It was like, come up and sing the encore. So our audience got to see their regional favorite that has been playing in Johnstown since the seventies on stage with Los Lobos. And everyone lost their minds. And then Los Lobos came off that stage, and they greeted every single last fan that wanted to greet them. And then after that, they went next to the next tent and stood backstage and watched the regional band that was doing the late-night set, which happened to be Boogie Hustlers. And, of course, those guys all grew about six inches on stage because Los Lobos was watching them. I mean, yeah, that's unbelievable. Yeah, this, you know, sometimes one measure of that is, the, you know, some bands will come and just hole up in their tour bus and you never see them until it's showtime. And then as soon as the show's over, they're gone. There's other bands that really embrace being here. Yes. And travel around town. George's Song Shop is a favorite destination for the bands who come to Maggie play at Rose our festival. Maggie Rose all over that Yeah, Maggie last Rose year. last year. <laughs> you know, there's lots of examples of that. When Grace Potter was in town the first time, they, they were really got around town, went to George's Song Shop, um, really had a good time. Some people um, ride the incline um, yeah. and enjoy that end of things. Yeah, it's it's neat when that sort of thing happens. Super cool. But also, uh, you wanted to ask about favorite festival performances. Yeah. Um, to me, uh, the best set we've ever presented was Trombone Shorty. I mean, to me, in, in my mind. And in my mind, it is not close. <laughs> I thought that was just absolutely outrageously good but then there have been so many um and mm-hmm. also uh, we we touched on this a little bit with the billy price uh, los lobos story the collaborations over the years oh my goodness like one year the late night set it was eric lindell and g love who was you know quite possibly the most extroverted person i have ever met in any context came over and was uh, playing with eric lindell what a treat you know, um, when that happens, that's something that's really exciting. Yeah, I think that, you know, I remember the time when um, Anders Osborne invited Eric Tesmer to play yes. with him. Yes, At our at our show. And Anders ended up producing a record for, 
for Eric, I think. They have a, a long-standing relationship came out of that encounter at our festival. And by the way, the Anders Osborne connection this year is that Anders Osborne produced Railroad Earth's new album. That's cool. You mentioned, um, you know, headliners and you have the dream list and everything. Mm-hmm. Who are some on there? And like some, actually, like, I know you're a Steve Royal fan. Is that somebody who, I, I know Neil Young is not realistic coming to the Flood City Music Festival. Is somebody like Steve Earl, is that realistic in terms of? Yes, Steve, yeah. Steve, Steve Earl's names actually come up. And I also want to uh, note that it's not, you know, anything because of me. I do happen to be a Steve Earl fan. Sure, but, yeah. you know, he, he is someone that is very solidly on that list of people that could be, you know, um, direct support to a headliner, for example, or even a headliner. Yeah, sure. Yeah, he'd be great on the – he'd be a good fit for sure. Hornsby was a guy that we had identified for many years as being somebody that was desirable to us because he had his own career and his own hit songs, and then he had his experience with the Grateful Dead. So he had a real crossover appeal. Right. You know, people that knew pop music knew him, but people that knew the Dead, the jam band fans also knew of him. And so he was always some somebody that was sort of – in. A, and we made offers to try to get him – for maybe three, four, or five years in a row, something like that. Finally, it worked out. The travel worked out. You know, that's the kind of thing it takes. You know, I'd love to get a band like Government Mule in here or somebody like that. You know, they're just marginally outside of our range. But, but if the circumstances aligned, it could it happen. Could, something like that could happen. You know, that would be great to have Warren Haynes here in some form, you know, whether it's Government Mule or his own band or something like that. You know, those are the kind of guys that I that I think about. And and one thing that um, that I'll add, I mean, when we're looking at headliners, I mean, we are trying to appeal to two groups, and they're not always the same people. There's the one group that really wants to hear something that they know, um, that maybe is mo- the most casual music fan, maybe doesn't listen to a whole lot beyond commercial radio. Um, and then there are people that are more sort of festival-going music fans, and, you know, what would excite them? Bruce Hornsby is an exceedingly rare example of someone that would attract both groups, you know, mm-hmm. because he had some some pop hits that everybody knows, and then the the Dead connection um, is very festival friendly, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so, in trying to identify, you know, who's that, and then what, and then if we're thinking headliners, we're like, what is the pop? Um, the more pop oriented, the more popular music oriented um, performer that is not going to turn actively turn off the festival people. Because if what we have learned and, and what we know to be true is that what that group cares about most of all is authenticity. Um, mm-hmm. They don't care as much about, I mean, you know, I mean, it, it, they care about that it's still the original performers or that it that that the, that they're still producing original music that combination is is what we go for let's see if we can just conclude a little bit um coming up here on the festival again and we haven't talked much about the headliner here spin doctors mm-hmm. talk about getting them here and just kind of overall your final thoughts on uh the shows coming up this weekend and what you hope people were gonna be doing yeah, here down at- you know we thought the spin doctors was a really appealing group to have as a headliner their uh, original lineup is pretty much intact. They're still making music. They had some big hits. That record pocket full of kryptonite they did in the early 90s was um, as commercially successful as a record could be. You know, it seemed like everybody owned a copy of that thing. Um, and, you know, what we've learned since we were able to get them booked is that they're delightful people. They've been a real pleasure to work with, and we're really looking forward to meeting them in person. They've done some things for us um, this year 
for the festival that most headliners won't do. For example, they are allowing us to use their music behind our radio and television advertising. Um, and a lot of times, the uh, band won't give you those rights. Schedule this year, Friday, July 29th, and Saturday, July 30th. Things kick off mid-afternoon on Friday. I think our gates open at 1 or 1.30, um, and uh, we'll go to 12.30 at night that night. Um, closing, we have a great North Carolina band called The Fritz that's going to play our late-night set that, that day. And then Saturday, we kick off earlier. We'll, the gates will open around noon. And uh, Buffalo Rose will take the stage at one uh, thirty, I think. Is that sound right? That yeah, sounds about something right. like that. You know, we go then, and Karina Reichman is going to close off, cap off that day. She'll be playing our late night set, and we know that's going to be awesome. Uh, I think we're going to have two really full days, of really good music, really good sort of beginnings and ends to the day. Yes. I think those late night bands are really going to be spectacular. Thank you so much, Ron and Shelly, for coming in today, talking about the Marisurf Let's Save Music Festival coming up here this weekend. Everybody get out there. Go listen to some great music. If you see me there, I am not working. Don't ask me. <laughs> uh, so, but anyhow, uh, thanks again. Everybody go out and have a good time. And uh, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. Thanks.